Welcome back, listeners, to another Ag Watchers podcast with myself, Andrew Whitelaw, and Matt Dalglish. You might have noticed something different. We've uh, we've taken on some advice from from some of the listeners over the last couple of months, and we've we've decided to go with a different intro music. This is a, this is a surprise to Matt because he hasn't heard it. But we thought we'd we'd try a new a new introduction music for this as a one-off. And uh, if you prefer the one that we've put on today, then let us know and we'll, when we can keep it. If not, we'll revert back to, as uh, Clint Jasper says, the, the hokey music. And uh, Matt, how's it going? This is a special episode as well. Yeah, 20th episode, isn't it? And you've sprung a big surprise. I mean, I'll tell you what, Clint Jasper will be very disappointed, I reckon, uh, with the change of the music. But um, I'll have to wait and see when you do the fine leather as to what you're going to put in there, mate. And I, and I thought, you know, we thought we should probably sort of say thank you to our supporters, you know. And so I thought I'd, I'd, I'd mention like one of one or two of the supporters who have supported this podcast. So first of all, we'd like to thank Aranka, you know, <laughs> for, for, for putting up with, with you, Matt, and allowing you to do this podcast in the evening and, and taking up the living room. My, my current wife, you mean? And I'd like to thank Yasmin, my wife, yeah. for, for yeah. making dinner tonight for me. Is, and giving me the space to do this and and yeah and, and she's she's really looking forward to listening to this <laughs> she's, yeah, that is sarcastic because she says she can't bear to listen to us yeah. <laughs> exactly so 20 episodes the big mm. 2 yeah. so anyway the idea was today is just to have a bit of a, a chat about What's happening in the market? Because we haven't done that in a while, actually. No, well, yeah, the, the markets have been kind of quiet. Uh, cattle markets are just chugging along, you know, at, at reasonably historically high levels um, and kind of trading sideways, but that's good that they're up at high levels. Um, and we've seen a bit of a recovery in um, sheep and land markets. So, but, you know, that's, that's probably the most important thing we've seen. But do you want me to give you a quick... Because we've had a couple of episodes. We've had what? We've had about, well, we've had 20 episodes in total. We've had quite a lot of episodes that are with guests, obviously, and we have a quick rundown for, for, for people who this is the first podcast you're listening to. We've, we've had chats about corporate manslaughter. We've had chats about canola with Riverina oilseeds. We've talked about live export with Holly Luderman. We've had a mixed bag with, with, with the great Graham Lean. Mm. And, uh, and last week, we, uh, we talked about sheep's testicles with... Uh, <laughs> With Robin Smith of Numbnuts, so we've had a bit of a bit of variety there, really, mm. and it's probably a good time to sort of come back and then start talking about markets. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a few things to to talk about. We also saw the um, MLA release their sheep industry outlook for September. Um, so there's a couple of little changes there, um, which was you know no real surprise that they've kind of started to talk more around this uh, path of uh, flock rebuild. Um, and because of that, they've reduced the, the slaughter down by a little bit um, for this year, but then they're adding kind of higher slaughter onto next year as, um, uh, you know, as, as the rebuild. It looks like the pace of the rebuild is, is quickening according to what MLA are predicting too, so um, a little bit higher uh, flock numbers for the next few years, but they're the main, the main kind of takeouts from that. But, um, yeah, it's been... Uh, so let's, so let's get into it then. What's what's happening in the in the livestock market? What's the big things over the last month or so? 
Uh, well, look, one, one good thing that we've been talking about a bit has been the, um, the concern around Victorian processes. And, uh, so, so, yeah. so I thought there were going to be, there's going to be a big backlog of, of lambs <laughs> and weren't going to be able to process enough. Uh, no, not quite. Um, there, there was some concerns around uh, if, if they couldn't get up and running you know, by uh, kind of late October, November with the spring flush in uh, Victoria. But um, the Andrews government came out just last weekend and they've said that the abattoirs in the kind of metro area, which there aren't too many of, um, can go up to 80% for red meat processing and uh, ones out in regional areas uh, up to 90%. So given how low the flock and herd is and, and low kind of slaughter, um, that those, those kind of levels should be enough to, to not have any backlog really. Um, so some of that commentary around huge backlogs was probably a little bit, a little bit over the top. But um, you know, I was concerned if we had have um, not been able to see these moves back to these levels. But I think we're probably pretty safe now to get most of those, um, most of those spring lambs processed and um, not going to have too much of an impact. And certainly, the lamb market has recovered. Uh, it already had started to recover uh, about a fortnight ago, but that's kind of kicked on a little bit further just um, with that lack of, uh, well, the uncertainty is now being removed. So that's been a good thing. I think uh, Eastern States trade lamb indicators around the 750 level or slightly higher than that maybe now today. Um, and I don't know if you recall, but it was a little while back we, we did a bit of analysis on fair value modelling for that as it was going on the way down. Uh, Andrew, uh, the model was saying like 650 was a bit of a base area and we should have got some support. I think I might have wrote about it on TEM about three weeks ago um, and we got to 638 and then we've bounced. So it's good to see the fair value models working. Um, and so now we're kind of looking at something like a 600 cent low for quarter three, sorry, quarter four and about an 800, maybe 850 cent high for, for, for this period. So I think we start, I think we, we probably start to see a bit of selling come through. And, and now as we move more and more to the spring flush, probably going to, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if trade lands top out around that $8 level start to you know, probe, probe south again, but we might not go as low as what we've already seen it through winter. That's a good level though. Very good yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, um, um, you know, it wasn't ideal seeing that sell off through winter for producers, but you know, historically um, to be selling, selling land with a seven in front of it's pretty good. So um, you can't, can't, be, can't complain too much. I was actually out and about this week uh, out in the Western District catching up with a few farmers. And, Who was you know, that with? <laughs> Uh, that was actually with Graham Lane and his his mom. You mean, you uh, mean rivets? Rivets, yeah. We went with Ag Rivet and um, yeah, just having a bit of a chat and a bit of a look around on farm, uh, which in the Western Districts, and um, presented to them, and they were um, they were rather pleased. I think that the the um, lamb market seems to have found a bit of a, a foothold and recovered, and that the model was working. Uh, model was working well, the fair value model we published. And um, I think there was also a bit of um, joy that the wool market's kind of seemed to have found a bit of a foothold for the moment or two. So. And what did it look like? Did you see any crops as you were going through? Uh, yeah, no, right. yeah, yeah, no, they're all looking good. Um, so uh, there was a, there was a in, bit in of... Your, um, in your expert opinion. Yeah. Well, there was a bit of... Um, there looked to be... Uh, so the, that snow episode we had the other, uh, the other week... Uh, looked like it kind of gave, pushed some of the canola over a bit, so it's maybe you know not the best for for the canola. Uh, but yeah, the rest of it uh, looked to be pretty good. The wheat was looking pretty. I don't think pretty we call green. That, I don't think we call that snow. I think we call that sweet. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it was it was settling there enough to drag some stuff if down. If, so. if it's not if it's not four feet deep, it's not snow. Mm. 
Yeah, if, no, if, I, if I've got to put a jumper on, it's not snow. <laughs> yeah. So what's happening in the cattle market? Uh, like I said, um, uh, kind of sideways prices. Uh, heavy steers still holding up pretty well around that 360 level. Um, and young cattle is kind of slowly grinding higher again. Um, the, uh, the the modelling on that one actually shows both the heavy steer and young cattle that we're kind of nearer to the top end of the, of the fair value range. So I think... Um, you know, we, we could continue to push a bit higher, particularly with that restocker activity for young cattle. Um, we might see it above uh, $8, but I think around that $8.30, 8 it's starting to really get a bit heavy there. And particularly if um, heavy steer um, doesn't kind of keep going up, which it's, you know, it's, it, we've got the most expensive cattle in the world at the moment. So, um, you know, with the Aussies kind of come off a little bit, that might have helped. But I think broadly speaking, um, you know, there's not a lot of topside uh, for cattle prices. High prices uh, are the cure for high prices. Mm, that, that's true. Um, but I'm not expecting a big, huge crash either. So um, I think, you know, the um, the, the bias is probably um, still a little bit more to the top side, but I think we're kind of getting to the stage where it's where it's nearing a top, um, you know, maybe, maybe 50 cents or so from a top for young cattle. Uh, for the season and um, I think we're probably you know pretty close to the top now for heavy steer anyway but that you could see that start to ease back towards you know that 350 level um, in the next few weeks I think. What is the processors as well? Processors still? Well they're not making much money at all yeah yeah and um, we've got the processor margin model that's probably due for an update start of the month so there'll be something out on that in the next week or so I'd suspect for the September period but um, But I can't imagine it's it's risen by what two hundred dollars no. or whatnot. It's uh, no, no, still, still going to be well in the red. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why uh, <clears throat> you know there's there's only a limited amount of upside for finished um, finished cattle with um, with them not making a great deal of money. They're not going to chase it too much higher. So um, you know that's that's kind of not going to uh, allow for for market to get too crazy. Um, and the other thing too, we put out something on TEM on the. Uh, on the um, feedlot margin, so looking at southern and northern feedlot margins, and the southern southern feedlots are, are doing a little bit better. I think they've had a bit more of a lower um, feed cost going through uh, with you know, as we come into the southern harvest. So that's helped a little bit, but then you know the restocker activity um, has kind of put a bit of competition there for for those younger cattle types. So you know that they've kind of gained the uh, lower feed cost on in their margin, but they've kind of paid a bit more out for the feeder cattle coming in. So, um, you know, it's kind of net net that, you know, they, they, they've kind of lost some and gained some. So, but yeah, margins there are still both positive for the moment. I think the, uh, the East coast margin for last month was about $75 a head or thereabouts, uh, profit. Um, so not as high as what, you know, you know, the normal, normal level was about 110 long-term average. Um, but 75 is still not too bad. Um, and like I said, as, come, as we're coming into the southern harvest, I guess, Andrew, you'd expect that the feed cost would continue to go in the favour of the feed lots, wouldn't it? Yeah, should do. Yep, it's looking all pretty good from that point of view. Mm. Mm. What about the, before we go into grains and whatnot and the bigger picture stuff, what is the... Um, what is the go with coals and their oh, yes their cheap but expensive beef? <laughs> the five dollar uh, yeah, a little bit of a little bit of a uh, interesting marketing ploy really where they've come out with a 
almost a single packet cut of um, beef and saying that it, you know, it'd be five dollars for a, I think it was a two hundred and thirty gram rump rump steak, which you know they're trying to say it sounds like a real good deal, but when you look at it on a on a per kilo basis, it's something like twenty one seventy three cents or something a kilo for it. So it's not super cheap compared to um, you know where it's been historically, I guess. Um, and I think that's pretty close to what the um, average retail price is for beef, about twenty one seventy as of last quarter. Um, so yeah, it looks like but I think I think there was a bit of concern because people were thinking, oh, you know, it's just like the dairy industry; they're pushing the prices down. But it doesn't have any actual at this point, at least. And Coles isn't a, is a big buyer of, of beef, but it doesn't have enough impact upon the overall price to actually influence the market enough to drive it down, does it? No, no, no. Because no, we're an export export denominated country with restock of demand. You know. Calls can't force the market down. They can just erode a bit of their margin, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's if you remember a few years back, there was a similar kind of a a bit of a uh, marketing type ploy with uh, with kind of cheaper lamb, uh, and, and you know, I think it was um, Aldi at the time started the ball rolling with a leg of lamb for you know nine dollars or something, and at the time, you know, it wasn't far off. Uh, I think the the trade land was getting up around the seven fifty eight dollar level at the sale yard, so um, there was clearly a fair fair amount of um, you know margin tightening for the retail end, but it was more seemed like more a bit of a, a way to get you through and into the store and walking all the way through the store to the back of the meat shelf. So when you come back, you might grab a few other items on your way back out. And it probably is a similar thing. Uh, it might be the cynic in me just saying that it's a um, similar scenario, you know, leading into summer, trying to get a few people in and and take advantage of this um, great offer of the $5 tiny bit of steak. That's the thing. It sounds like you, I guess a lot of people might just look at it and say, there's a red label. It's $5. It must be, must be pretty cheap, you know, but if you look at, like you say, you're looking on a per kilo basis, it's, it's not that cheap. Like I'm pretty sure I can get it in my local butchers for about the same. Although I'm not that sure because I don't really do the shopping that much. And, mm. uh, but no, I think it's just a, it's a non-story really, isn't it? To a degree, I think, yeah. And that's where yeah. I think the the big story is, is probably La Nina, isn't it? Mm, that's it, yeah. And so, so you talked a bit about the, you know, restock of demand, which is driven by, what, wet seasons, pretty much. And now it's been officially declared that we're in a, a state of La Nina. So, uh, so it's the news we've been waiting for, Andrew. This is officially. What what is Lenina? Lenina's little sister, isn't it? Uh, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. Big brother. El Nino is big brother, and Lenina is little sister. Yeah. Damn it! I could have used some quote around, uh, you know, that song, "Little Sister" from uh, Queens of the Stone Age Rock. Was I thought it was one that was "Little Sisters Don't Do What Your Big Sister Done." Is that an old 70s that, that, song? That's, that's an older one. I'm talking more that's about the <laughs> 90s and early 2000s, you know, more more a sort of millennial song group, not the... Uh, I've, already had a, I've, I've already had enough 70s references to music in, yeah. in recent times. But no, like, I think it's... Look, Lenina is obviously good news, generally. I think the, the one thing you've got to take into account is that it doesn't necessarily mean that it we're guaranteed to be wet. It just means we're historically we've tended to get wet so still got to have a bit of that sort of you know half pint glass 
half empty approach as, as, as a Scotsman. So mm. don't don't just you know guaranteed for it to be wet. But historically, going on the averages, it is wetter. But it's but it is more than that. Like I've wrote about Lanina a few times over the last couple of months, and I spoke about it in the in the press a few times. Is that it's it's largely it makes things wet on the east coast, but it's more than that. And we have to look a little bit outside the bubble to an extent. And I think that's where you kind of look at it makes us wet or moist. But if you start looking over to the US, they can get particularly dry. And that can affect their their corn crop and their wheat to an extent. And that's where the, the benefit is. So we can have potentially a, a good crop. And I'm talking more into next year, because I think this year is pretty much assured of having a decent crop. But going into next year, we could have a good crop. We could have plenty of subsoil moisture as we move into it if we get, you know, really wet sort of post-harvest period. And at the same time, you could have a crop that is in drought in the US. So you have high production, high price. And it's not often we get the opportunity in Australia to have both decent production and and high prices. So mm. touch wood, fingers crossed. And that's the, the ever the optimist in me is that we could potentially have all the right ingredients for, mm. for, for a good season next year. And this year, I'm, I'm over this year. That's, we're, we're already nearly finished. Harvest is now on, upon us and, and what happens happens. But my view is you're always going to be looking to the next season and seeing where the opportunities lie. And, you know, fingers crossed, good production and uh, good prices uh, off mm. the back of hopefully the Americans not necessarily having as good a condition as us. Mm. So that's that's no event and the potential for any kind of late lights, you know, spring frosts or anything like that's not going to do too much to shake the... Well, uh... I was, I was talking, to, talking to, to a farmer about that today, about there's a few frosts around the place in SA and a bit of New South Wales. But I think the reality is, is like how much does a frost actually impact? You know, are we t- even if we lost a million tons, you lose a million tons, you've still got an above average crop. So still think we're still talking a good crop. With, with, at the moment, we're still with good prices anyway. Mm. If we lost a million tons, we'd see basis rise. And that's probably another thing to think about is that, you know, <laughs> we are coming into a reasonable year basis levels have, have declined for, for new crop which basically you have a big year there's less domestic demand for for for, for that uh, grain and therefore basis drops but i don't really care much about basis i guess if we've got strong overseas prices it doesn't really matter where we get the money whether it's a premium for local premium or whether it's because it's overseas it's the bottom line is that you're going to get a decent value and, and and values are looking pretty good like pre-drought this would be a good number and and yeah that's i guess what so i like to think about is if you can lock in the futures because futures is typically 80 percent of the overall price so if you lock in a good profitable futures number then just think of the basis as the as the cherry on top you know and then you can you can lock that in at a later date so I think it's, mm. I think it's like it's all positive for this year. Probably not so much in parts of WA, but you're never going to get the entire country all, you know, running on all cylinders at the same time. But still, parts even parts of WA is still looking good. But yeah, there's a lot of places that are are, are very much testing the ability for the 
the soils to produce a crop. And that dry WA, Andrew, is a bit of a La Nina phenomenon as well, is it? The, we t- the La Nina tends to get a wetter east coast and a drier well, west it coast. It doesn't necessarily tend to go for a drier west coast. It just tends to be average. So, like, if you, well, like I've, I've looked back at all the La Ninas on the east coast, on the west coast, on the US, back to, like, the 1900s, or the early 1900s. And... If we look at Western Australia, even looking at the last 20, 30 years, there have been some La Nina years with WA's produced bumper crops and some where they produce terrible crops. I think it's a 50-50 on, on it being a dry or, or a wet year. And I think that's probably not much, not that dissimilar from normal, really. So, But on the, on the East Coast, we definitely see, if we just look at the yields and the production like against the 10-year average, you see more often than not a La Nina year corresponding with uh, higher production. Conversely, when we look at the US, we look at La Nina years and corn prices, we see prices well above the 10-year average on a number of years when we had La Nina. Not in 2016, but that was a period when we had huge stocks as well. But I think it's historically, and you know those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it but it does give us an indication of what is potentially possible and then you take into account the fact that we're in a very strange situation globally with a lot of those import uh, dominated countries like Egypt's and whatnot are, are tendering a lot more and buying a lot in order to stockpile you know with worries about what the impact of COVID will be because we're still you know, we're close to the end of lockdown here, fingers crossed, touch wood. But the rest of the world is still deeply in this. And some of the projections from WHO are uh, are relatively sort of pessimistic, really. So so they're, they're all stocking up. And then you've got China. Like, at the end of the day, do we really know how bad it is with this flood? I'm sure we'll not really hear... If it is bad, we won't hear about it. And and that's the big question mark is if it is really bad, how much are they going to have to import? And that's a big question mark. And I saw some videos on Twitter this week showing them using lifters to try and get the corn up. And it was mm. it's a pretty time poor sort of uh, operation. Mm. What about uh, on a local front? Um, have you spoke to many of your, your mates, particularly some of the ones across back in WA where you spent a lot of time when you first came to Australia, mate? Um, uh, ten, ten, to... Ten, 10 years ago, mate. Yes. When, no, yeah, no, well, no, no one can even tell I'm not Australian, mate. <laughs> so um, you so that you've got no more mates back in WA because it's been 10 years since you've been over there. <laughs> um, no, have they said anything about, uh, or have you heard anything about? difficulties with uh, getting staff for harvest yeah yeah like that's i think that's an issue that we're all going to face is getting staff uh, but yeah appearing of definitely definitely staffing issues in terms of getting chaser drivers you know even even sort of truck drivers in order to get uh, get the harvest to the silos and i think this is uh, we don't have much time to to get it sorted and the reality is we've got we've got this sort of period where you've you actually want to train your staff up like you don't want to just get a staff member on the 1st of november and get them working for you on the 2nd 
like we're talking you know hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars worth of equipment and and yeah like it's, it is difficult and it's not like there's just a there's not a, a big queue of people wanting to do the work and there's not a queue of particularly skilled staff available and i think that's a big risk and and like i've got a i got a friend of mine's over in in wa lay webster who runs two work in oz and she trains up backpackers before they go onto farms and I, and i can't imagine she's having much luck at the moment in terms of getting backpackers in but i believe she's actually trying to get a lot of australians to do that sort of her training course and i think it's it's a pretty pretty good sort of course because it sort of teaches you how to use equipment before you just go onto a farm so you have a mm. bit of check whether people are actually suitable for the job so yeah that's the uh, that's the crux of it really that's the two big things that i think is important is la nina and the local production and i think it's it's, it's pretty positive so we'll just have to see see what happens so anything else matt what we any we've got a few we've got a few things coming out in the next couple of weeks that'll be exciting uh new pieces of information which will uh be very interesting we'll probably have to have a chat about that actually when we do release it because that will be something that i've been a bit cryptic just now because i don't want our competitors jumping the gun on us you've been um, so you've been so cryptic i'm not 100 percent sure what you're talking about but that's all right that thing about boats oh yeah yeah boats and boats and things in boats yeah. so uh, new data sources and whatnot that'll be good mm. so yeah and we've got a few more guests coming on soon so that'll be good it won't just be us chatting away with each other mm. yeah no. i think it's been good to do a quick wrap of the markets and just um yeah uh, cover off on what's been going on there because we've missed it for a few weeks like you're saying but there probably wasn't much to talk about and the guests were probably more important and more interesting yeah exactly i think it's you, you can get market reports you can read market reports wherever you want i know, I know of one website you can get them but, and um that, is yes. that can you get them for free we're not here to plug our other sort of activities uh but no uh, like I think it's it's good to do a market update sort of once every now and then just to just to do it, but just there's no point in us doing it every week, just going lambs up two, wheats up five. Like it, it gives the monkeys uncle. So I think yeah, we'll do it every now and then, but we'll mm. we'll, we'll try and get more guests on, and we've got a couple waiting in the wings, ready to be grilled by us. Mm. So. We'll leave it there. And uh, so thanks everyone for listening. Uh, share it with your friends and family. If you really don't like it, then share it with those friends and family that you don't like, uh, because you might as well punish them if you've had to listen to it. Uh, if you really don't like the intro music and the outro music, then let us know. I think, I personally think it's my, my, my number one choice. So I uh, hope, you, hope you enjoy it and we'll, we'll go from there. See ya. Sounds good. See you soon. Catch you later. Bye.